This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Oh boy, Horwat, we're less than a week away from puck drop. I'm excited. I know all of Penn's Twitter is very excited, and I know you're excited as well. So we have a good show for you guys today, getting you geared up for Game 1 in Philadelphia next Wednesday night. But, well, I guess mid-afternoon, it's at 5.30, but my name is Nick Berlansky. As always, I am joined by Nicholas J. Horwat. Horwat, how are you doing today, buddy? Very well, very well. I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm prepping for the the Hockey Podcast Network Fantasy Hockey Draft, which will be, it, I think, Shane Ryan of the... It's the Sens Hour now, right? Correct, yes, the Sens uh, Hour. I think he's trying to live stream it, so whenever that all happens, Saturday night, pay attention to our Twitters, and there should be a stream link somewhere. We're all getting... Uh, dressed up in quote-unquote formal attire gotta love it gotta love it. i mean you gotta go all out for stuff like that right yeah i already bought a fiji water so uh, i'm going full gmjr minus going bald and getting old hey that's the best you can do and the closest you can get there but uh good luck on that one i hope you you draft well you got to represent us here yep. at the tip of the iceberg really well in that fantasy one and i think there's an, actually an after hours on on Saturday, or at least they're scheduled to be an after hour, so there might be a lot of content yeah. coming out from the Hockey Podcast Network this coming Saturday. We, I mean, the day we're recording this, the draft was supposed to be yesterday, and then they somewhat, like, and it's trying to get all these people from across, you know, the network together in one place, which is usually hard. Um, but it was supposed to be yesterday. Someone could, like, a couple people couldn't do it yesterday, so it got moved to today at, like, 7, which bumped us up recording earlier. And then finally someone was like, yeah, I can't do that either. So we were someone offered uh, optioned the idea of doing Saturday night uh, after hours style, which even then I'm like, is there an after hours? I mean, if there's not, we got it covered. And if there yeah. is, I mean, I'm sure multiple people of us will just hop right on after a draft and a few drinks. There you go, man. I mean, Fantasy hockey, just realize that you have less than the week if you want to get into a fantasy hockey league. And with that said, that means we are halfway through the Pittsburgh Penguins training camp. We're going to discuss a little bit of what we've seen so far on the first couple of days of Penn's training camp and some of the, the major discussion topics that are coming out of the lineup decisions and everything that we have seen in days one, two, and three of seeing the Pittsburgh Penguins formally on the ice. The line rushes have been generally this. First line, Gensel, Crosby, Rodriguez. Second line, Zucker, Malkin, Rust. Third line of McCann, Jankowski, Lafferty. Fourth line of Sevier, Bluger, and Tanev. Before we move on to the defense, Horat, what are you thinking about this? Anything that surprised you about the lineup that Mike Sullivan has trotted out there to start tr training camp? Uh, nothing too surprising other than Rodriguez playing alongside Crosby. I mean, we discussed this last episode. We figured McCann would have slotted in. <clears throat> but uh, no, no, this make this all makes perfect sense. I mean, Rodriguez is only there as a placeholder. I feel like until Kapanen comes in, um, I, I mean, if he's playing well up there, I guess he's gonna be starting up there. I would have assumed he's not gonna be up there come opening night. 
but um, it seems like it might be happening and he might be staying there. So it'll be interesting to see. And um, I mean, Hey, as long as he's playing well, then have you watched any of the, there was a live stream today of their scrimmage game. Yeah. I saw the second period of the live scrimmage today and I've watched some of the highlights that they've posted online, but I haven't by all means, I haven't seen too, too much yeah. of the Pittsburgh Penguins training camp, just what the Penguins social media staff has been able to, to make available for everybody. But when I initially saw Rodriguez up there on Monday morning when they first took uh, took the ice, I initially thought, okay, he's a placeholder. That must mean that they think Kapanen's situation is going to be resolved. But at the same time, it's Wednesday now when we're recording this, and they've yet to say anything about Kasperi Kapanen, meaning he's probably not in the country, so they haven't started that seven-day quarantine that is right. mandatory for Kapanen. So with Rodriguez there the first three days of camp now – it makes me think that they are going to start him on that top line once the season starts, mainly because I feel like Mike Sullivan is probably looking at this as he wants the lines to be unharmed underneath it. I'm sure that means Rodriguez would have been a healthy scratch on game one if Kapanen was here. But since he's not, it looks like Rodriguez is going to get a chance to play on that top line with Crosby at the start of the regular season. And good for him. Let's mm -hmm. see what he can do. I mean, Crosby has made guys like Dom Simone and guys like Connor Sherry look like at least half-decent first-line players. But we'll see what happens. The last time there was a number nine on Crosby's right wing, I believe it was on his right wing. Either way, it was on one of his wings. That was Pascal Dupuis, and that ended up pretty good for the Pittsburgh Penguins, a speedy guy with a pretty sneaky shot. And that's basically what Rodriguez is, but to a little bit lesser degree. So Let's see how it pans out. I mean, who knows when Kapanen's going to be here? We'll have to keep our eye on that, as that is still a fluid situation. Yeah, his and uh, his agent. We'll see what Rodriguez can his do. His agent or Kapanen's agent um, told a couple people in interviews that um, he's trying. They're trying to have him in by week's end, which is coming upon us pretty quickly. So who knows? I mean, even then, let's say he gets in on Saturday, he'll miss two games. But I mean, it's better than missing a month. Am I right? So. Uh, get, I guess the key for Kaepernick is just to get here as soon as he can and train, I guess, as soon as you can. Do as much as you can. Do what you can over there if you're able to, if you're allowed to. I don't even know. Um, but don't come in freezing cold. Kind of have a little juice in you. And, God, I hope they don't just stick him immediately on the first line. That's the only other thing I'd have to say on it. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think that that would be the case. I feel like they would be smart enough to know not, not to just toss him on that first line there. Right. But at the same time, I feel like you said he's going to miss two games. At I think least. the fact that they're trying to get him in by week's end means that they're definitely not going to have him for the Philadelphia series to start off the season. But I think that also means they're probably not going to have him for the Washington series either because you don't want him coming fresh off a plane from Finland yeah. and jumping into his first game of the year against the Washington Capitals. So I could see him probably missing at the very least the first four games. And that's if he gets into the country on Friday or at least by Friday. So right. the captain situation is still fluid. I feel like we're not going to have to worry about whether or not he's going to play at the opener. Cause I feel like that is already answered yeah. by the fact that he's not here yet. But as far as the rest of that forward lineup, I mean, Lafferty starting on the third line was a little bit of a surprise, but We'll get into Lafferty in a little bit. But McCann and Jankowski and Lafferty, that makes sense. Sevier, Bluger, Tanev, that also makes sense. Congratulations goes out to Colton Sevier on the birth of a child. That's why he missed day one of training camp. 
And then, of course, he comes back on day two and scores a goal in the first scrimmage. So congratulations to Colton Sevier. Yeah, big shout-outs to him. And uh, the rest of this lineup's looking fun. I kind of like it. It's deep. It's depth. It's depthy, kind of. It's not. It's obviously not a bunch of top-line guys, and I just invented a word. So that's. <clears throat> I was about to say, where is depthy in the Webster's Dictionary? I, I got to look that it's one gonna up. It's going to be. Yeah, really. Uh, it's probably a word I'll use a lot because that's the only way to describe our bottom six right now is it is a bunch of depth role players. There's not really a standout goal-scoring guy or legs kind of guy. It's a lot of full 200-foot players uh, and defensively-minded forwards. So it's going to be interesting. I like that bottom six for what it's worth. Yeah, and we'll have to see if they can score goals. They've shown in practices and in scrimmages that they can score goals, but scoring goals in a game is going to be a lot different. Yeah. That's the big question mark going into this season is, will this bottom six be able to produce on the scoreboard? We know they're going to be able to keep players and opposing teams off of the scoreboard because they're all very defensively sound players, but the offense is something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. So far in training camp, it's looked pretty good. But like I said, training camp and the games are two different animals, so we'll have to see that next Wednesday. Still a lot of other stuff to talk about, I mean, with this forward core and the start of camp. Sam Lafferty, like I said, on that third line, he did change his number to 18, so no more big 3-7 for Sam Lafferty. Rocking some sick flow as well to start training camp and possibly going to get a solid start in the lineup for the beginning of the season, not where he was last year. And it's funny because we talk about John Marino a lot when it comes to last year coming out of nowhere, Sam Lafferty really did too. Cause at the beginning of the season last year, he wasn't really a name on the radar. And then of course, due to injuries, he gets the opportunity. He impressed a lot of people. He impressed even more people at return to play training camp in July. And now it seems like he's doing the same and might've just earned himself a spot every day in the lineup because of it. What do you think of Lafferty possibly being an everyday player for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Do you think he's earned that to this point? I think so. I mean, I think, if I remember correctly, I think we wanted him playing more playoff time than he did. Uh, he's a guy that he's a wrecking ball out there. I mean, I I know I've described him as a wrecking ball before because that's what he is. He plays with no breaks. He plays at full speed, and he'll use you to stop. Basically, he'll throw his body into you to stop and turn around. And I mean, I also I just look at the rest of the names that maybe could step into that, and it's not that. It's interesting, to say the least. It's a weird kind of core group behind him. Like, yeah, you have um, a Frederick Goudreau that we just picked up, or an Anthony Angelo, but those are guys you're not expecting to really make it immediately. Um, I mean, if you want to keep discussing more the rest of these forwards that have been playing, it's it's an interesting little group here. Yeah, they definitely have a lot of depth and a lot of guys that are fighting for taxi squad minutes. Yeah. And, and I don't really want to get into that just yet. I think that's something we can get into next Monday yep. once the taxi squad is kind of solidified and more people are sent home. Yeah. But as far as Lafferty's concerned, he's a guy that has basically been everything Jim Rutherford wants to see in a depth player for the Penguins. And especially the stuff that he went after in the offseason. I mean, Lafferty is fast, he's physical, and he has a finishing touch. He showed that in St. Louis last year with a beautiful goal. He showed that in Washington last year when he scored a big goal. I believe that was on Super Bowl Sunday when he scored that goal. It was either that or the, the other game that they played in Washington in February. But he's shown that he can be a goal scorer, can put up points, but he's also more importantly shown that he's great off of the puck. He's smart. 
He knows where to go, and he's fast. So good for him for, for getting a spot. We'll have to see if he is ready for that. It's going to be a big jump from being a guy that is in and out of the lineup to a guy that is playing every single day. And, of course, as we've said already and said many times before and will say many times, especially in this season because it's a weird season for anything. So that's going to be a big jump for Lafferty, and we'll have to, to see what happens with him on the third line. Hopefully he's an answer for the Penguins to make that third line a little bit more lethal. But while we're talking about lines altogether, let's talk about the Penguins' second line. Jason Zucker, Evgeny Malkin, and Brian Rust, they played together in the return to play against the Montreal Canadiens, but now they've had a little bit more time to mesh, a little bit more time to get to know each other. And so far, they've been having pretty good returns. They've been scoring pretty goals and scrimmages. They've been passing really well to each other, knowing where the other person's going to go, playing well on the defensive side of the puck as well. Like I said, grain of salt, it is training camp, but will that be the Pittsburgh Penguins' best line, and could this be one of the top five lines in all of hockey uh it'll really depend on what the first line does once that gets fully settled but yeah get ready to hear those three names quite a lot this season and that's those are first line players if you really do think about it i mean sucker could be on the first line and many on many other teams malkin is obviously a first line anywhere else and then there's rust who has kind of proven himself to be capable of first line it's not like a full-fledged spot for him but um, second's perfect for him, and honestly, if things go the right way and they really start to outproduce the first line, I see no reason why they shouldn't be flipped. Because, I mean, we gotta play, we gotta play a little loose with the uh, line numbering here. Yeah, with Sullivan especially. Yeah. Like I get, yeah, you want Crosby and Gensel out there on top, but when, I mean, you just have to think about it. What's better on your first line? Two of the three guys going on all cylinders, or all three of them? Well, then it becomes all three of them. And I'm not saying that Crosby should be demoted. I'm saying it's your first two lines on a team like this where, I mean, these two have shared the spotlight in Pittsburgh forever now, Malkin and Crosby. It's very used to each other. I'm sure they're cool if one goes over the other or what and whatnot. But when it comes down to it, um, yeah, if this, if this line starts to produce a little more than the first, move them up. Or at least more minutes, whatever you, however you want to do it. It'll be interesting, but like I said, get ready to hear those three names quite often. Apparently, they look really good together so far. Uh, in training camp, yes, but hey, if you look good against other NHL defensemen like Pedersen and Marino, or for what it's worth, Matheson and CeCe, then you look good. Then you must be doing something right. Yeah, and Wednesday's scrimmage, Evgeny Malkin completely embarrassed youngster oh, Josh Maniscalco. So it, it was a rough look for the youngster, but hey, welcome to the NHL. You're in a training camp, and you just got beat by one of the top 100 players of all time. Yep. So deal with it. He almost put away a beautiful Datsukian goal as well. Or that's the Peter Forsberg. But it was so close to being perfect, and it looks like Evgeny Malkin has gotten back on his bullshit. <laughs> but the Pittsburgh Penguins, when you're talking about this first line, second line, Mike Sullivan doesn't like to not to – number lines the big thing is going to be ice time and usually Malkin and Crosby see about the same amount of time yeah. so I'm not worried about which line is better as far as who's the first line who's the second line yeah but this line I think is going to be the Pittsburgh Penguins best line if you look at the way that it's built you have the superstar center 
you have a gritty guy like Jason Zucker who can bury, who can dish as well as anybody else on this team, and who is really, really good in front of the net. And then you have a guy like Brian Russ, who is a pure sniper in this league. He's also one of the fastest players on this team. And, I mean, he's coming off a 27-goal yeah. season. He could go for 30 this year. It's very possible that he could still go for 30 goals in the shortened season. He had 27 in 55 games last year. So this line is without a doubt going to be the best line for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Not, like you said, not to take anything away from the Crosby line. Crosby and Gensel are going to be really good and have a lot of success. But when you come to an entire line, it doesn't matter who's on the right side for Crosby, whether it's Kapanen, McCann, Tanev, any of these players, Rodriguez, this second line is going to be the Penguins' best line, and it's going to be one of the most productive lines if they can remain healthy in the NHL. Yeah, they're definitely going to be one of the best. I just – the way I see it is it is when the Crosby line is in full effect, and it's with um, Kapanen, they're the, they're the exact same almost. They are built very similar. It's you got the superstar center. You have a grinding – gritty kind of one winger on one side and you got the pure sniper on the other it's they're built very similar it's just a matter of getting uh Kapanen back I'm never gonna remember his name it seems and then <laughs> you know taking out Rodriguez putting Kapanen in, and having everyone flow nicely they're basically the same line when everyone's healthy yeah and that's something that's gonna bode well for the Pittsburgh Penguins especially in the division that they are yeah. in but Let's move on a little bit more. There was a scary moment on Wednesday's scrimmage, not just for Josh Maniscalco's ankles, but also for Sidney Crosby and his health. He left in the first period of the scrimmage to go back to the locker room, and there was a question of whether or not he was injured on a big hit he took earlier in the scrimmage or if it was something where there was an equipment issue. I saw somebody on Twitter, one of the reporters that were there, said that he's been having trouble with his skates all day today. So... That might have been it because luckily he came out during the second period of the scrimmage. A big sigh of relief for all of Penn's nation because the last thing we need going into this season, especially after what happened last year, is to lose Sidney Crosby before we even get to Philadelphia in game one. But hopefully, still as of right now, knock on wood, no injuries yet. Let's hope that continues. And one other thing I wanted to mention, Jari got a shutout in the first two scrimmages. So Tristan Jari already looking pretty sharp. Good. Um, yeah, he's he's if he's the number one, he's got to play like it. Um, and I have the lines in front of me. He was going against, if he's getting two shutouts, I mean, he was goaltending against probably the entire team. But in this first mm -hmm. scrimmage, the lines were, he was on the opposite team of Crosby and Gensel. So... Um, <clears throat> shutting out at least those two is a good start, and hopefully he just can keep up with that throughout the season, collect some wins, and part of that too has got to be the defense playing in front of him, right? Yeah, he does have the number one D core in front of him, which is nice. at least the number one D line, not the entire core. Right. But they, they have Dumoulin Latang there, which is going to help him out, but still... Both goalies have played well. Casey DeSmith is, I mean, he allowed three in the first game, and I believe only two in the second game or one goal. Yeah, it was one nothing yeah. in the second in the second scrimmage. So Casey DeSmith has played well as well, especially against that Malkin, Rustin, Zucker line, who has almost scored several times but has scored a couple. But I, I think both goaltenders are starting off well, and that bodes well for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But again, as we said during this entire episode, grain of salt because it is the training camp 
Let's get into the defense before we move on in this episode. Of course, the pairings, number one pairing has been Dumoulin Latang, which is pretty obvious. The number two pairing was Pedersen Marino, which all of us expected. But then there were rumblings that Matheson could move up and play with Marino, but Sullivan decides to go against that. Go with what he knows, and that's Marino and Pedersen, leaving Matheson and CeCe, the two newest Pittsburgh Penguins defensemen, to play on the third pairing together. And then, of course, they have Ricola and Ruweedel, who are the seventh and eighth defensemen in the Penguins system, playing on a pair for practices. Horwat, anything that you want to say about the Penguins' defense, it's pretty cut and dry as to what we expect. It's exactly what we expected. I think, yeah, this is exactly what we expected. Uh, with And that includes P.O. Joseph being just the odd man right out. Mm-hmm. He's got to be on the cusp of being close in there. Um, Maniscalco playing both sides of the ice, it seemed, because of, or playing for both teams during the scrimmage because of reasons. Being the last person on the depth <clears throat> chart. Yeah, and it's still a place <laughs> to be. I mean, I'm honestly a little surprised that, I mean, when we made three college signings this offseason, I don't think when it happened, I don't, I wasn't expecting all three of them to be, to be at this to training, be training camp. camp. And, yeah. You know, Maniscalco, Lee, and O'Connor, who made noise, apparently, playing uh, in Sevier's position, whatever he was missing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they develop. I mean, a lot can be said about Maniscalco for his future. Same with Cam Lee, who's already had a professional uh, career started over in Russia during this little break in between seasons. And Drew O'Connor, who I've heard a lot about and written about a couple times, who's basically a younger Patrick Hornquist. So we got net front presence coming back already. Um, so I those are three guys to keep an eye on. But as for this defensive core, yeah, this is just exactly what we expected. Um, Dumoulin, Latang makes sense. Marino, Pedersen, again, what we expected, despite maybe some movement. Um, Matheson, Cece, you hate to see it, but it's what we expected, and that's okay. Rikola, Ruidol, the two that have – it's. I mean, that's the same position they've been in for the last – 80 years it seems <laughs> and then joseph and churchman um i'd expect i expect joseph to come in before churchman so who knows we'll have to see it's all very fun and interesting and it's leaving the defense exactly where we expected it to be yeah if the penguins organization and by that i mean if rutherford and sullivan both deem joseph ready to play in the nhl he will be the first guy called up behind the initial eight if they don't deem him ready, it's going to be either Churchman or Trotman. Yeah. It's pretty, again, the defense is pretty cut and dry. It is a deep, it is a deep pool, or or what did you call it? A, a depths Dep- pool, depth-y. very good in the depths. Depthy, it's a depth. Oh my God, I couldn't even think of it. Uh, I'll move on from that. But the one other thing I wanted to mention before we moved on, just a quick note. You said redeem Zahorna, who apparently he's a mammoth standing at six foot yeah. six. When did I say him? You said, uh, I believe, whenever the the roster for for training camp came out, you were oh, saying yeah. the people you would cut, and then I said, oh yeah, redeem Zahorna, and you said, who? Wait, I didn't even see him. I didn't. Well, it, it's pretty hard to miss him once he's actually on. Yeah. The so, whenever people were discussing his name, whenever the list of players that were invited to camp came out, people were discussing his name as to who is this guy? Oh, he's just someone from the Czech League who had like thirteen points or something like that last season. Um, and we all kind of brushed it off immediately. No one thought to look into the height and weight until the <laughs> Penguins posted that video of him. And, okay, yeah, I can get with that. He's a big guy. What I'm interested in knowing is what happened to our prospect we had from Penn State who was actually six foot nine. 
from Russia, who, who uh, I get was like on the fourth line at Penn State. But hey, you know what? If we're looking for a big body out here to put up with Chara, I mean, Zahorn is probably a little beefier. I don't think we're not looking for anything against Chara. Really, he's 43 years old. He's a big pylon with a good reach. Skate left. Like, skate, literally skate left. I don't want to be disrespectful because he is a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the great defensemen of his era. But his era has been over for a couple of oh, years yeah. now. And, and the reason he left Boston was because he wanted to play top-line minutes. He's not going to do that in Washington. Ooh. So, I don't understand. I, I mean... He's a legend. I don't want to diss on him too much, but he's not the guy to change your game plan for. Anyway. No, no, absolutely not. I'm not saying to change it. I'm just saying um, having a big body on your um, on your roster usually helps. Here, he's 6'6". He's the Nick Bugstad replacement. Figured it go. out. Exactly. Perfect. And I'm sure he's not going to make the taxi squad. No. I really do believe that he's not unless he improves or not really improves, but like unless he catches the eye of Sullivan in the next five days, he's going to get sent down and rested until February 5th rolls around when the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins come back and play. Cause that came out this yeah. week as well, that they're actually opting into this season. Nice. So I can imagine redeem Zahorn is going to play on that team. And it'll be a guy that we pay attention to. Obviously big frame. We'll see what else he can do during the AHL season. This year is what I would imagine. Probably eat people alive down there. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen with all of that. He he might start lighting people up in the AHL. That'd be fun. We'll have to see. And this is all interesting stuff to watch and keep an eye on. And, yeah, it's the definite assumption is that he's not going to make it because is there a limit to the taxi squad, right? Yeah, it's either five or six players. Five or six? Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to start making predictions, but I'm, look, I'm looking at names, and I'm like, yeah, those are the guys right there, and he's just not one of them. It's a deep team right now. Yeah. It has a lot of depth. It's depthy is the best way you could put it, I guess. But we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have a quick minor league minute. And then we're going to finish off our show with shout outs and call outs. We will be right back. This episode of the tip of the iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped. The best in men's below the belt grooming, offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, featuring advanced skin safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. This is the Minor League Minute from the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. The AHL's Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins have opted in to the 2021 AHL season. The Penguins had till this week to opt in, and they decided to agreeing 
with 28 other teams who will be playing for the AHL starting on February 5th. Three teams decided to opt out. The ECHL's Wheeling Nailers finally achieved their first win on New Year's Eve in a 4-3 victory over the Indy Fuel. They followed that up with a 5-4 overtime loss against Indy on Saturday night. They initially had a 3-1 lead early in the first period on the strength of a Felix Robert hat trick, the first of his professional career. Robert currently leads the team with five goals and six points in seven games played, which places him 14th in the ECHL scoring race. We could possibly see him getting the call to Wilkes-Barre once the AHL season begins, but Willing then gave up that 3-1 lead and fell 5-4 in overtime, bringing their record to 1-3-3 with five standings points, second out of two teams in the ECHL's Central Division. They've already played another game as we record this episode against the Greenville Swamp Rabbits, but they will also be playing on Friday and Saturday against the South Carolina Stingrays. This has been your Minor League Minute. Now back to the show. Less than a week until the Penguins kick off the season against the Philadelphia Flyers. The day after that, we will, of course, have our 100th episode, so make sure you tune in next Thursday, July 14th, our 100th episode featuring a very special guest, which I feel like we're still going to keep quiet until at least next week. So tune in for that for a great interview as well as in-depth analysis on Penn's Flyers Game 1. And that is the inaugural game of the season, not the beginning of the playoffs, which would also be cool. But I'd rather still look forward to 56 games, which is what the Penguins have on their slate, including 18 that are going to be on national television, Horwat. But let's get into the shout-outs and call-outs, shall we? Let's start with shout-outs. I'll let you lead us off. All right, I'm shouting out, and it's uh, a shout-out that's going to last all season. I want to immediately start off with the beat reporters and the social media staff that goes into hockey because they're back in business, baby. They're back in being entertaining and giving everyone all the stuff we need to know, like the lineups for a scrimmage that we decided to talk about for half an hour, the information that we really wouldn't have known without them, like Crosby missing a couple minutes to fix a skate. Um, Just all the little things, just the clips of uh, Malkin dancing around a college kid. They're all back. They're all back in business. I'm not going to name them one by one, just all of them in general. Um, Everywhere from the athletic reporters to just the Pennsburg reporters or guys like, I forget, the Pittsburgh Hockey Now, I think that's the name of it. Or even just the Mm -hmm. social media staff for the Penguins. Just all of it. They're all back. They're all back in business. And Twitter is back to being fun again. It has been a really fun week, especially with with the Penguins and every team starting their training camp. It seems like hockey Twitter is back in full force. And yes, I agree on that sentiment. Shout out to all the reporters, all the beat reporters. The the Penn's Inside Scoop guys are great follow. They have so much good information, great interviews as well. And and you said you weren't going to run down the laundry list of names of reporters because there are a lot of great reporters in Pittsburgh. But I I will shout out two in particular, and that's friends of the show, Jesse Marshall and Matt Vensel, two guys that have come on our show. So go check out our interviews with them this past off season and good luck to them on another season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And yes, as you've mentioned, hockey Twitter has been fantastic this past week, not only because of NHL training camps, but because of the people I'm going to shout out. And that is team USA. Of course, the gold medal winning us team that defeated 
the great Canadian World Junior team by a score of two to nothing on Tuesday night. They had a really good tournament, and it really didn't look like it was going to be on the outset. I mean, initially, you lose to the Russians to begin round-robin play. Yaroslav Askarov completely shut down the U.S. offense, and it was not looking good off the bat. But then, of course, you know, racking up three straight shutouts to get first place in Pool B was impressive. Holding on to beat Slovakia in the quarterfinals was great. A crazy win over Finland. They scored in the last minute of that game after giving up a 3-1 to lead. And then, of course... The two to nothing shutout, the first shutout in 20 years in a gold medal game for World Juniors for Spencer Knight. So congratulations to him. That whole team, both teams, honestly, on Tuesday night were made of so many super future superstars for the NHL. So many first round draft picks, so many you know prospects for the entire league. None for Pittsburgh, unfortunately, but we digress on that point. The two guys that really caught my eye for Team USA. Trevor Zigris, or Zagris, or however you say it, is in the Anaheim system. He tied the American all-time points lead in World Junior Classic. So we'll see if he even gets to go next year. But if he does, I could fully admit that he's definitely going to become sole possession of first place. And then Matty Beneers, who is currently not on any team because he's not going to be draft eligible until next year. So Matty Beneers is a name to watch out for. He goes to Michigan. He's going to be a freshman or either a freshman or a sophomore at Michigan. The kid is a talented player. He was on the second line for Team USA. And it was just an entirely great effort by the U.S. team. And shout out to Canada as well because that team was the team of, like, destiny. Because they still, after losing the gold medal game, finished with a goal differential of 41 to 6. <laughs> That is absolutely asinine. That is an amazing performance for Canada. And yes, I'm sure it's very disappointing for them. But that team, if I'm saying there's a lot of first round picks that were in that game on Tuesday night, they were mostly from Team Canada. They have so many good players. And the one guy that I want to highlight from them is definitely Bowen Byram, the defenseman in the Colorado Avalanche system. I can't wait to see Byram and Kale McCarr on the same decor. That is going to be a lot of fun, but shout out to everybody that participated in world juniors. There were two Pittsburgh penguins there, both as third string goalies. That's Callie Klang and Joel Blomqvist. They were third stringers for Finland and Sweden, but shout out to everybody, but most specifically shout out to our gold medal winners, the champions team USA. Uh, Blomqvist got bronze. And I believe he was the backup for that game. Cause he was in the team photo with pads on. He probably went out there afterwards. I, did, I mean, I just didn't see how many goalies were in the picture, but he was one of at least one of the two that were right next to the big bronze trophy. So get, there you go. He got a, he got a getting medal. in there. He got a medal yeah, winner. Getting in there. And for Team USA, hey, I watched two periods of the game. So <laughs> um, once they went up 2 nothing, I was like, all right, Canada, fight back a little bit. They didn't fight back. I was like, all right, I'm way too into community right now to keep watching. Uh, I'm assuming it'll be a 2 nothing victory. So I shut it off. Check Twitter a few minutes later. 2 nothing victory. I was like, cool. I didn't miss much. Um, but yeah, shout out to Team USA. It's always fun when America beats Canada in hockey because that's rare. And also shout out to One Barrel at a Time. Oh, geez. One Barrel at a Time. I don't know. That became such a big thing for no apparent for reason. For no reason. Just because Canada didn't know the story. That was it. Yeah. I mean... I mean, to be fair, at first... You got to read into things and not many people right. do. I mean, at first... Um, Megan had told me that they that they did their team photo with the garbage can with the team um, Canada logo on it or whatever. I said, yeah, that makes sense. That's something some 
uh, privileged 19 and 20 year old hockey players would do. They're assholes. Let's be honest. They probably are. That makes sense. They would do that. Um, and then I saw the video and I was like, that doesn't look like a garbage can. It kind of looks like a barrel. I let it be again because I didn't really care. And then the story came out. I was like, all right, that makes a lot of sense. That's kind of cool. It. I can see where people without knowing the story are coming from. I get that. I, you can kind of see it, but you got to know the story. You got to read into things. And yeah, one barrel at a time. One barrel at a time. Again, one last time, congratulations to Team USA on the gold medal. And congratulations to Team Canada on putting a hell of a performance that entire tournament. Unfortunate for them that they couldn't get the job done, but fortunate for us. And I'm sure Isha is very, very sad today, stewing in his loss. But he's usually a pretty good sport, so I'm sure he'll be bouncing back. Absolutely. We know he will be. Horwat, why don't you give us your call out? <laughs> Calling out... The uh, this is a fun one because it's been a lot of discussion on sports radio recently. Is the uh, the New York Football Giants? So as you all might know, the New York Giants lost. Or, sorry. sorry, they won their game against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but what they needed was the Washington Football Team to lose so they can make the playoffs. Okay, so what does Washington have to do? Washington wins the game because oh, let's be real, they were winning. They were winning the game. Yes. Jalen Hurts was pulled, the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know why I'm telling the story. I hope everyone knows, but the Eagles lost, probably because they pulled Jalen Hurts, or not because of that at all, because, I mean, Jalen Hurts was 7 for 20, I think, passing whenever he got pulled in the fourth quarter. I, I don't yeah. know about you, but when my season's over and my starting quarterback isn't playing well and we are currently losing – and I said I wanted to get my third string quarterback in the game at some point. I'm gonna do it. I'm pulling him. I don't because who cares about what the rest of the league is, has already done? My team's not making the playoffs. Moving right along, the New York Giants and their players and former players and a lot of fans decided to start calling out the Eagles for doing this and throwing the game. The first rebuttal: uh, Your team was six and ten. You did not have the right to the playoffs. To be fair, the Washington football team were 7-9. and nine. They also don't have the right to the playoffs. but Yes, they do. But they won more games, so they have more of a right than you do. Yeah. It was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I want to quickly shout out Kayla, who just trotted through the background with, uh, with your cat. That was quite funny. Yeah, I tried to keep my composure, but you lost oh, it, I lost so did it. I. But... To, to, to go off of yeah. your point there, to me, I mean, yes, Washington has a right, and they have a right to host a football game because they won their division. That is how the bylaws are stated. That's all you have to do to host a football game in the NHL and the play, or NHL <laughs> in the NFL and the playoffs is you have to win your division, and that is what yeah. they did. So they deserve that. For the Giants that are crying about the Philadelphia Eagles putting in a third-string quarterback because they just didn't want the Giants to make the who cares? If they didn't want the Giants to make the playoffs, that is fine. If they wanted to, you know, put in a third-string quarterback to see how he's going to do, that's also fine. Here's the thing. If you're putting it in the hands of your arch rival to get you into the NFL playoffs, mm -hmm. then you have no right to complain whenever they can't pull it yeah. off because you put yourself in that position anyway. It's the same thing that happens whenever there's a bad call by a ref to end the game. It's, hey, you put yourself in the position – 
to allow the ref to determine the outcome of the game. So that is on you, that you allowed that to happen. And guess what? If you're the New York football giants, you allowed yourself to be put in the position where you need to rely on the Philadelphia Eagles to beat the Washington football yeah. team. And guess what? They came up short. You can't complain because you came up short first, yeah. and that's why you were in that position. So if they want to complain, that's fine. That's their right. That's what yeah, Twitter's and I, for. And don't get me wrong. I get where they're coming from, where it kind of seems a little shady that the that the Eagles' starting quarterback for the, at the time, he was still the backup, really, um, that he was pulled – but I get, like, I can see it, but there's no reason to start questioning the integrity of the game. Start wanting to dock the Eagles of draft picks. Are you fucking kidding me? Now you're just taking, if they, like, that's too far. That's too much. Like, because how many other teams, week 17, it's fuck all for the NFL. We know this. It, it really is. is. I mean, are we going to, are the Dolphins going to complain that the Steelers straight up had Ben Watt and multiple other players just not travel to Cleveland? And when yeah. they lost, like, it's just, it's a slippery slope in week 17. These are things you can't complain about because it all starts with not winning or with winning more than six games. Listen, if you want to dock the Philadelphia Eagles for doing what they did in week 17, then you better be docking the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans for blatantly ignoring COVID-19 protocols. Nice. I don't want to hear people talk about docking the Eagles for putting in a third-string quarterback in a game that mattered absolutely nothing exactly. to them. But people that are literally blatantly blowing protocols on a worldwide pandemic, I'm not saying they deserve to get theirs taken away either, but if you're going to take it away from the Eagles, you're definitely taking it away from teams like the Ravens and the Titans who blatantly blew a health protocol first. Yeah. But in the end of the day, none of this should be docking draft picks in realistically it's just people wanting to complain and of course it's the new york market who if things don't go their way which a lot of the times it hasn't lately unless you're a new york yankees fan or unless you really like the draft lottery for the new york rangers the last couple of years haven't been great for them especially in football so they're gonna complain yeah. and that's fine no i get it i mean like i said I, if you if you're upset cool i get it but there's no reason to take it as far as questioning the integrity of the game docking draft picks and then really really getting upset about it because uh, because at the end of the day your team went six and ten and that's just not good enough it's not seven and seven and nine i'll continue seven and nine is not good enough but it's at least they did what they were told to do when you're but division. yeah but it's at least better than six and ten and i mean come on you can't say you didn't want to see alex smith and ron rivera in the playoffs right that is what everybody wanted to see, and we'll see. Maybe they can take out Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. That's what I'm hoping for, especially because the last person I want to see win a Super Bowl is Antonio Brown. That's fair. So that's, that's what I'm voting for out of the NFC. But let's finish it off with my call-out. I had a funny call-out lined up, but uh, due to events that have happened today, I have switched my call-out, so I'll reserve my, my funny call-out for, for next week. So tune into episode 100 for my Just funny Just to see one. how things play yeah, out, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good idea. My call out is to the protesters in Washington D.C. on Wednesday. Not all of them, just the idiots that stormed and broke into the U.S. Capitol building. Because do you really think that is a correct exercise of your First Amendment right to protest? That is not a protest. That is a riot. That is also breaking and entering. Yeah. That is also Tres unlawful entry. Trespassing. So trespassing as well on a federal building the basically the federal mm -hmm. building 
and the fact that they went in chanting stop the steal it's one of the most asinine things i've ever seen and literally i don't like talking about i hate talking about politics if anybody has actually ever talked to me i dislike talking about politics but something this blatantly stupid deserves at the very least my call out this week that's fair and to see what happened and all of that it, it makes absolutely no sense as to what your goal is and what you're trying to achieve by doing that other than trying to destroy things because it feels good like it's i I don't understand it and and the point that really i i was thinking is the people that were there yelling stop the steal are so worried uh, of the democracy being taken away from you does not equate with the fact that you're saying stop the steal and you're disagreeing with the most democratic thing that we do as a nation which is vote for president that is the most democratic thing we do and you're going against it and you're so worried about the Black Lives Matter protests and destroying stuff. And you're saying, that's not protest, that's a riot. And then you're going to go out and do the same exact thing. It's blatant hypocrisy. And if there's anything that I can't stand, it's blatant hypocrisy. So it's just, don't be stupid about it. Protest, yes, that is your right. Do that. But whenever your protest turns into storming the U.S. Capitol building, it is absolutely a blatant, misuse of what you believe is your first amendment yeah it's it's very brutal it, i'm i'm staggered and just lo- like dumbfounded at how far into the capital they got they were in the chamber that's the part that they were they were in nancy pelosi's that's office the, yeah that's the part that gets me is that they got far enough in that they were literally like in the same spot where these politicians work and are like, you see them on TV. Like you see these politicians in the chamber. They, these random Americans, I, I don't know how to describe them other than just random people. Uh, Randos. Yeah. We're just in there. You can't be in there. You can't tour that half the time. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's really dumbfounding seeing that, um, like you mentioned, the same people that were bitching and moaning about the protests over the summer um, not only are doing the same thing, but they decided to kick it up a notch and going on to government property. Where, I, I'm yeah. honestly, if you want to be honest, I'm shocked it wasn't open fire session from security. Oh, well, here's the thing. If it would have been like that, I get you. it would have escalated 300 And I times get more. that. That's probably why it wasn't. But, I mean... When one person hops onto the White House lawn, it's sniper from the roof. And I get this is a much bigger deal. There are way more people than one person on a lawn. Yeah. But there's a lot of questions being asked. There's not very many getting answered. Um, Holy shit, are people dumb? (laughs) And I hate talking about politics, too. So I'm going to try and leave this off as quick as possible and just say, uh, don't be stupid, stupid why why get violent it really does not help your point at all it's that's 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 my main point is your violence does not make us listen or make anybody listen more it just makes them point and laugh and especially if you're not from the united states they're definitely pointing and laughing at you now yeah and it's god it's brutal i it twitter this morning was a lot of fun it was a lot of hockey stuff going on it was we're all all right the season's a week away we got stuff going on I get home from grocery shopping and it has gone to hell. So, 
Yep. You've ruined hockey Twitter for the day. I hope you guys are happy. Because <laughs> I'm not. And uh, I got nothing else. It's... Yeah. Uh, well, in one week from today, the NHL season begins. The fun will begin yes. for NHL fans. And we are not going to continue to talk about politics unless something like this comes up. That is that is when we talk about it, when it is a massive, massive news When's story inauguration that day? needs to be talked about. Inauguration day is the 20th, and I will hopefully be All right. in my house the entire Let's, time. Uh, we have our shout-outs for that episode done already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that is going to be it for this episode of The Tip of the Iceberg. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you're excited about the NHL returning in less than a week. And we hope you're excited for our 100th episode that is coming out exactly a week from when this mm -hmm. one comes out. We have a great show. We have a great interview. We're going to be talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Philadelphia Flyers on January 13th. We'll see what happens. Hopefully the Penguins have two points in the standings. And also look forward to our Monday episode where we will be joined by the fellas over at the Three Pigeons Puckcast, the newest Philadelphia Flyers podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll be breaking down the matchup between the Pens and the Flyers, and we'll be talking a little bit about what the Philadelphia Flyers look at like this season and what we can expect from our cross-state rivals. But Horwat, unless you have anything else, I think it's time to say goodbye. Nope, just watch that live stream Saturday. Uh, I'm sure it'll be out. It'll be the fantasy draft. And stay safe out there wherever you are. <laughs> it's getting weird again. Stay safe and get excited for Hockey Pens fans. Have a good weekend. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.